Hello, you're listening to Politricking with T.D. Madia. My name is T.D. Madia. This is episode 7 of season 3 of a politics podcast brought to you by Eyewitness News. Now, I said to you a while ago, it'll take some time for Jobik to get a mayor. And when Jobik did get a mayor, I said, ah, he won't be in there for too long. I did not predict that we'll be counting weeks. And I say this because I think we're going to count weeks. Eh? The last mayor lasted three months. It looks, it feels like Abelo might not last even that long. Imagine, one of Africa's largest economies, most advanced economy, and this is how they're running it. This is how they're running it. So I don't think Abelo Kwamanda is going to stick around for long because now there are question marks about his qualifications. There's the claims about him being involved in some fraudulent scheme. If you recall, I actually spoke to Gates and McKenzie about that and said, I looked at him in the eye and I believe him. If that's how you vet, I don't know. I saw on Cut Blanche, the, the, the leader of Al Jamal said, his mother was asked, yeah? Is that how you vet people who take political office, who are in charge of economies as large as Joburg, who are responsible hmm, for our day-to-day well-being, the provision of services, the roads, collection of refuse, safety? His mother, boom, mother knows best. Is that how we deal with those situations? So that's the one thing that I think I need to bring to your attention. The other thing is this thing that's this conflict. Let's call it conflict. No, let's call it tension. I think that's the right way to describe it. Between South Africa and the United States, with Russia slap bang in the middle, right? So the United States ambassador to South Africa, Ruben Brigitte, goes, and it's really, really weird because that's not how diplomacy works. Like, there's a thing about diplomatic language or channels. It's not how you deal with foreign policy. But he calls some in the South African media and he slap bang says it out loud that the United States believe that South Africa provided arms to Russia in the middle of conflict. Remember, Russia has invaded Ukraine and South Africa won't be pushed to take a position. South Africa makes an argument that it is neutral. I think there are question marks about our foreign policy and whether or not it needs to evolve. And I think those are legitimate question marks. Those are conversations we must have. South Africa wants to hold on to sovereignty and say, well, as a sovereign state, this is what we want to do. But I think that it's lost so much respect in the world, in geopolitics, that its word is not respected as well as it should be. So part of me watches this and thinks, hmm, so America, what you're watching is carrots versus stick politics, right? So America tried to coax us, tried to threaten us with AGOA, with the fact that they are our biggest trade partner in order to get a particular view on the issue around Ukraine. That didn't work, so it's resorted to stick politics. Where they tell us we've done something unlawful, the provision of arms to a state currently involved in conflict, right? That we've broken international law. That's that's the assumption. We don't know if it's true. And with all of this, there's a question mark around Lady R, a vessel that docked in Simonstown sometime last year in the cloak of darkness where things, things happened in the dark. It doesn't help that our government then responds by going, we'll launch an investigation. It's either you did or you didn't do it. It's also very simple. But I also think when I watch this play itself out, I think mm, America thinks it can coerce us. But I also don't know if America understands how South Africa feels about America. South Africa is never going to love America. Yes, biggest trade partner, I understand that. Economically, where we are, we need them. But I don't think America takes into consideration how much their indifference to our struggle for liberation continues to be held onto by us as a state, right? They didn't give a damn about us. 
They looked the other way. Think about companies like Kodak and what happened and how many times people agitated for you to get involved in what was happening in South Africa and you were okay with those transgressions. And remember, apartheid is a crime against humanity. You were okay with all of that. So it is an interesting thing to watch. I've spoken to some on the American side of the saga and they simply said, look, we consider this matter closed. We've moved on. But we haven't moved on. That matter is still unfolding in our country as Russia, Russia, Russia continues to dominate geopolitics with what is happening with its invasion of Ukraine. So that's a matter that I think is going to stay with us for some time still. And we'll feel the brand. Ask farmers about the impact of not getting access to fertilizers. Remember there was an issue around cooking oil at some point in the middle of all of this. So ask farmers about fertilizers and then go look back at your food prices in the stores and understand the impact of what's happening far, far away from us on us. And think about what could possibly happen with our tensions with the Americans. We speak a little bit about that with my guest this week, Songe Zozibi, the national leader of Rise Mzansi. They want to put ideas ahead of personalities, a different way of doing politics. Take a listen. We are fast approaching the 2024 general elections. There will be a lot of players that flood the market searching for you and I's votes, right? And we are in a strange position in the country where we don't know where to go. The country is not in a good space. I always say to people, if the status quo works for you, fantastic. Continue. Continue. Go along. But if it doesn't, you've got to then do the work, right? In order to see the change. So some people have taken it a step beyond just wanting to vote differently. Some people have taken the step to make themselves that option. That's what I'm going to be talking about today with my next guest. I'm going to now welcome Songezo Zibi. You're called the national leader. I'm called the national leader. <laughs> I'm rising. <Hi>, Zanzi. <laughs> a new player that'll be asking for your votes come 2024. Songezo, thank you so much for making time to ch- ch- chat to us. It's been a long time coming. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I want to start this conversation by taking you back to this one tweet. Every time I think I see you, I always think back to this one random tweet. You posted this in 2021 on the 17th of November. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I, about? I, I post too many tweets. <laughs> I'll take you there. Um, This is the tweet you put out. You said, to essays, professional and working classes, we must never allow ourselves to be in a position where we are hosting Twitter spaces about why neighboring countries aren't letting us in. We must fight to the death of our country. We must not be complacent. Do you remember that tweet? I remember that. It was following the spaces, because I also followed the spaces where Zimbabwean nationals were really angry about issues in South Africa, saying, but we helped build South Africa. And immediately after that, I then saw this and I thought, I had a very similar feeling after listening to that spaces where I don't want to gravel anywhere else. No. But no. what's also followed in your journey was the book, The Manifesto, which speaks really to the so-called middle strata. What are we doing? The so-called professional uh, class. What are we doing in this country as we're watching the country deteriorate? And then what followed was Rivonia Circle, a think tank that you were a part of. You're also leading. And I think you did, what, a year's worth of work in essence with Rivonia yeah, Circle? Bit, yeah. And then about a few about a few weeks ago, last month sometime, then came the launch of Rise Zanzi. Yes. So there were particular steps. That's why the tweet yeah. stands out to me, is that there were particular steps in your journey yes. following that tweet that one particular day. Let's talk about when you made that tweet, what thoughts were going through your head from the tweet to your thoughts that were penned in the book to where you are now? 
So Tzidi, I just listened to a space. Uh, in fact, remember these spaces would go on for seven hours about Zimbabwean immigrants in South Africa and whether they should stay or not and whether we should chuck them out and that sort of thing. And hope well. Hope uh, uh, Chinono, the, the journalist, would host some of them and they would go on and on and on forever. And I would spend like an hour or two listening during the course of the day in total. And it just struck me that we must just never be in this position where we are fighting with people in other countries about why we should stay there. Our country is wonderful. It's got great potential. We must just fight for it. I don't want to go or my kids to go to another country and have to explain their existence there ever. But that means getting involved in politics, unfortunately, which is what Zimbabweans didn't do, by the way. A lot of Zimbabweans left Zim. They are doing awesome in the US. They're doing awesome in the UK. They're doing awesome in Germany, in South Africa, and so on, everywhere except Zimbabwe. And that is a problem. How do you still hold on to that? I want us to get out and fight. It is increasingly difficult to see where South Africa can go. You know, we still talk about a lot of potential. It's very hard to hold on to that potential in the face of things that happen on a day-to-day basis in this country. See, you see, I don't think I've got a a choice. So I don't have a grandparent who was English (laughs) or German or whatever. I I don't have those, but I think I've got a choice. You know, I can't apply. That's the first thing. The the second thing is even if I could leave, um, which I could, by the way, I had to make a choice, by the way, in around 2020, I had got a a job offer in the US and I then then had to make a decision about whether I take such a job offer or I, I don't. And I decided not to and stay on and try and make South Africa great. And um, and so I think uh, from then on, it just became clear to me that if I've chosen not to go anywhere, then I must, I can't sit and tweet only. <laughs> it, it's not going to get me anywhere. Let's speak about the launch of Rise Mzanti. It's been a few weeks really since that yeah. particular launch. How has it been going for you as a team? What are your observations in terms of people's reaction, responses to your existence? See, let me start about the reaction. It's been really awesome, really. Uh, really? It, it really? It really has been. It really has been awesome. There's even a group in Umlazi that has composed a song uh, about Rise Mzanzi, a group of young people. No, it's, it's really been awesome, by the way. We don't have enough people to go to all the places that we get invited to to come to now, right? Which is a nice problem to have. But I must also say that it is really hard being a politician, I must tell you, because firstly, you have to accept that you are one. And I don't think I still quite have internalized that I am now a politician. You are one of them. Yes, I'm you one of them now. I'm one of them now. Speak about how they lack integrity, they lack honesty. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. You're so one of them. I'm now one of them. My colleagues, most of whom have not been politicians before, only Makashule Ghana has been a politician before, nobody else. And so all of us are getting used to this, but the, the only thing that's driving us is that we have made a choice to try and do something great about the country. And we're going to figure it out as we go along. And the people that come into our universe are going to help us get there. You don't have much room uh, in terms of elections. You wear slogans, T-shirts that have slogans, 2024 is our 1994, mm. which to me communicates your understanding of how important yeah. the upcoming elections are. So you don't have a lot of time to figure it out. You must do it ASAP. No, sure. I mean, we are figuring it out every minute. 
<laughs> but as I say, look, I mean, if I said to you, we know exactly what to do 100%, we're getting in there, we're better than the pros, I think listeners will roll their eyes and say, what's this guy talking about? So when I'm saying we're figuring it out, it's, it's, it's an honest statement. I think we must be honest that as talented as all of us in the team are, the reality is we're getting into a professional political space and we must be prepared to learn. It's really important that we do that. And that's what I mean. Uh, the second thing is that we're trying a different brand of politics to what is in place. And that also requires learning, not just for us, but for everybody else, because we give people an opportunity to speak a lot more and for us to listen a lot more and then articulate what has been said in a way that turns into a political plan or a political pathway for people. That's different to what people are used to. And it can be hard when you're doing it. Let's speak about what it is that you are hearing from the people. I know that you've gone to some, as you said, you can't go everywhere, mm. but you've gotten invitations. You also, when you launched, had particular areas you wanted to target immediately. Mm. What are the messages that you are understanding? What do people want to see as far as the political landscape is concerned? Or the country, rather? So the, the one big thing that stands out is how dejected people are about politics. So what happens is they, they come to the meetings, they participate, and at the end of the meeting, they usually say, guys, please just don't hate us. You know, we've been given hope before. We love what we're hearing. But what typically happens is once we've fallen in love with you guys, we vote for you, then the people never come back. We love your story. We love how you do things, but please don't hate us. That's really powerful, I think, because it just shows the extent of the of their cynicism and lack of trust in our political system that is there. That's the one thing that we get. The, on the positive side, though, people relish the opportunity to actually just articulate what they want in their community. So they ask, firstly, what's your plan? And we insist that, no, we don't have a plan for your community. <laughs> We're coming here for the first time. Except for the organizers we have in your area, we can't get here and tell you what the plan is. You must tell us what you want to see in your community, and then we'll talk about how politically we make it happen. In some communities, people latch on to it quickly. In others, they struggle with it. it it's like you're talking French. Cognitive dissonance. Yeah, yeah cognitive mm. dissonance. Like, are you really asking me to say what I want? Uh, so, so, so that's been some of our experience. Realistically speaking, how many of these conversations do you see turning into votes? Because it's all good and well to want to affect change. We all mm. know that. But at the heart of it, if you're going to elections, it becomes about the numbers. Unfortunately, that becomes a black and white issue of did you get the numbers in order to affect actual change, even in, in, in the legislative mm. space or not? Um, realistically speaking, what is Mr. Rise Mzanti looking at? So, firstly, I mean, I don't know if you're asking about what are we looking to get, but I'll tell you firstly, a bit of both, a little, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that firstly, where we're clear is that this is not just about next year's elections. We want to transform South Africa. So our plan is 2024, 2026, 2029 and 2034 for in order for us to to achieve the vision that we that we that we talk about. So we've got a long term plan and we are realistic in our expectation. The second thing is we're still in the intimate phase of the of the of our political process because you need thousands of people to say I've met them, I look them in the eye and I think I trust them. It's very difficult to trust someone from a billboard. <laughs> and so we kind of need to get the basics right. We are going to get to the phase where we then begin to spend on sort of billboards and things and being big out there, big marketing yet, and, yeah. and so on. Yeah.
but one would make an argument that when Mampela Rampela launched mm. first a party political platform mm. and then a Khang, there was a long-term plan supposedly in place. There was a vision to change politics of a country. Mm. And we saw where that ended up. I think the difference between a Khang, and I'm mentioning a Khang specifically mm. because it's not cope. Yeah, people liken your launch to cope, saying, "Oh, all glitz and glamour, it went nowhere." There is a difference in that Akhan wasn't born out of a grievance with the NC, mm, as opposed mm. to cope. Um, Rasmus Zanzi is not born of that, as you said. Only Makashwila Ghana, out of that leadership, in essence, is a politician from a, a politician rather. Um, but it kind of went nowhere, even with its long-term plan. How do you prevent yourselves from getting falling into the same exact trap? So it's important that we don't build political uh, efforts around people. That's mistake number one. I think there was South Africans uh, love the idea of big political personalities, yes, we do. and that was the issue with uh, with uh, with uh, with Ahang. It was built around. I mean, for good or for worse, it was built around Mampela. We've sought out to avoid that. Firstly, secondly, Rise Mzansi came into being in November last year. What we set out to do was to try and build networks of activists across the country before you launch because if you make a big announcement and then you say please come one come all you get a whole lot of people who have grievances elsewhere becoming part of your thing and you can't give it an identity and a political culture and so on we're now in the position where wherever we go we're able to have three four five hundred people in the room organized by local people around an idea rather than he has this big personality song as Ozibi. Look, you guys might know me, but I mean, I need serious introduction elsewhere. That gives us the, the opportunity to introduce the idea rather than the person because you can't use me <laughs> as the driver. That's an interesting one because I was going to ask you about the issue of the politics of personality. Yeah. Because South Africans unfortunately buy yeah, into yeah. you have a long-term plan. Yes. And you're saying that the way things are at the moment, the setup around Rasmus and allows for the idea to find expression as opposed to individuals. But one would make an argument that in order to move towards your long-term plan, you ought to be known to some degree by citizens. No, it course. must be easy for you to be personable. The other issue that I think we find with our politics is that the particular kind of personalities that people are driven to. So mm. people who are populist, who are outlandish, are people who capture audiences much faster. Mm. You aren't necessarily that. In fact, there's a, a there's a conversation around around Rise Mzanti, or is it something you said at the launch about seriousness, bringing yeah. seriousness back yeah. into South African politics. South African politics has become quite gimmicky. Yeah. And that's how kind of our popularity is, is built on to a degree. So how do you then navigate that, even for that long-term plan, mind you? So, I think it's about the issues that we take up, how we take up those issues. So let me give you an example. Somebody, friend of mine, suggested that we go and lay a missing persons report at Rosebank Police Station because our president is missing in action. Now, you know, that would be actually be ha 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 funny, travel a lot on social media and so on, but it's a gimmick. It's not a real thing. So we avoid those kind of things where you engage in politics of chemistry. What we will we'll start seeing us doing is picking up issues. So the mental health issue I spoke about, the issues of yes. disabled so let me people. Take, let me just give them a little yeah. bit of understanding about that mental oh, health yeah, issue. Yeah. We were, talking we were offline. offline speaking about how a lot of the conversations we've been having with citizens around the country is that mental health is a big issue. A big Even issue. in areas that are not necessarily affluent, they are concerned about their well-being from that space. The from that view. space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So issues like that, 
disabled or differently abled South Africans or South Africans with disabilities, oh my goodness, I cannot believe how blind I have been to the issues that affect them, that affect their families and so on. That's another example. And then people raise other issues like the plight of single mothers, in particular black single mothers, the struggles that their family courts with basically don't work, the absence of tax arrangements that recognize single parent issues, especially black, uh, sort of especially single mothers and so on. They are issues which are not regarded as political. Our ethos is the personal is political. And if there are no political solutions for things that deeply affect you personally, then politics probably doesn't work for you or for millions of people. And that's how we're going to give the, bring the seriousness into, into it. Let's speak about your tagline. I mentioned it earlier. 2024 is our 1994. I think South Africa's democracy will be marking 30 years when we yeah. go into our next general polls. Speak to me a little bit about how you came up with it. What are you saying to us? What are you trying to tell us as the voters, as the, as the electorate? In this message, so a lot of the things that we've uh, that we that we talk about, or some of them, are quite are very organic, by the way. So, uh, 2024 is our 1994 preceded Rise Mzansi, believe it or not. One of the guys in our team, Tebo Homoalusi, uh, started printing these T-shirts that said 2024 is our 1994, and he he articulated what that means. It resonated with all of us because basically, after 30 years, we need to make some big decisions about what the next 30 years looks like. Otherwise, the next 30 years is going to look like no electricity, no jobs, no a lot of these things. That is why 2024 is so important. People don't have to vote for Rise Mzansi, but my goodness, just really, really reflect about the, the impact of the political choices that you make next year because it, it's, make, it's, make, it's make or break. You know, the, so South Africa has got this weird obsession with former liberation movements. Of course, our governing party is a former liberation movement, the longest serving, longest standing on the continent. Mm. I've always had this theory, and it's not my theory, actually. It's actually just there on paper where liberation movements die, and they die in a spectacular fashion. Mm. And what I think we're watching is actually the ANC's death. That's taking a very long time, but that is what we're watching. Mm. So there's this weird ob obsession with liberation politics still, struggle politics still. Mm. How long do you see that shaping up? picture you speak about the importance of shaping up the next 30 years mm. they are dealing with a younger population however in our language in our in the, in the political space in our language in 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 our traditions we're still very much rooted in struggle politics we're even seeing younger parties adopt that culture of struggle politics language and the likes even though they, they, they're, mm. they're in the now how long do you foresee that being part and parcel of who we are, how do we even move away from it? Can we? There are two. There are two things that will happen. One of them will happen. Either there will be an orderly, semi-orderly, gradual shift away from that kind of politics, or we're going to have utter chaos and destruction and violence because people have reached a boiling point where it, it basically is this far and no further, and we will enter a level of hostility towards liberation politics, which is driven by. The, 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 the material uh, conditions on the ground for a lot of people. I don't think we should get there because that can be destructive on its own. What we're trying to do is to facilitate that evolution away from old politics into a new progressive politics. City, you know, the 1985 version of wokeness is not the same as 
Guess what we have now? Come on, <laughs> Syria. You Syria know what I mean? Course, the, yeah. the, the word misogyny when I was in high school was not there. I learned it when I was working already. And thank goodness for that. You know what I mean? Um, so we kind of need to move towards a new progressive politics. And that's what we that's what we're trying to do. And hopefully it will be highly successful. How would it then navigate issues like the Russia versus US, US debacle that we're dealing with at the moment around Lady R, whether or not South Africa did supply arms. How do you then approach issues like that um, in the world of progressive politics of Rise Mzansi? So let's simplify it, actually, not even talk about progressive politics. It's unlawful in terms of laws passed by parliament to ship weapons to any country that is involved in an armed conflict. That is why South African soldiers are always wearing blue helmets, in yes, these countries, yes, in yes. peacekeeping missions and so on, there's something called the National Conventional Arms Control Act. It says we may not do it. The fundamental issue is not whether Brigitte, the U.S. ambassador, was intemperate or so on. The question is, did something unlawful in terms of South African law happen? Our government is saying we don't know. That's the answer. That's why there's an inquiry. That's the unacceptable answer. That's the unacceptable honest. answer. They're saying we don't know. You're like, what? You don't know? In a premier naval base, South Africa's only proper naval base, you don't know what happened with a large ship that was here for two days? You don't know? That's a problem. And the problem with the politics of drama and gimmickry is that not many people have spoken about that. It's like that law doesn't exist because everybody is engaged in the theater. But that's the fundamental question. That actually, there's a law. But I also want to get your, gauge your thoughts on the issue around Russia versus USA. USA yeah. is your largest trade partner. Yes. Russia, you've got alliances towards it based on history. history yeah. What do you then navigate? Is there still room for that? Um, no. When you look, no. There, there, there's no room. There's no room to to base the relations on history. No, there isn't. I'll tell you what, Sidi, can I say why? Sure, sure, go ahead. So the ANC had two friends, big friends in the 80s, right? Mm. It was the Soviet Union, it was Sweden. By 1987, the Soviet Union couldn't give the ANC a cent because it was bankrupt. Sweden was giving the ANC about $30 million a year. In 1980s money, that's close to $200 million. Sweden is feeling threatened by Russia itself. So how does the ANC choose between these two historical friends? who to support. You understand? You can't do these things on historical sentiment because you are bound to be dishonest. Which is where we are at the Which moment. is where we are right now. <laughs> um, that's a, it's, a, it's an interesting one to watch and I think it'll still have other chapters that are unfolding around it. There are other key issues that you spoke earlier about. You spoke about the issue, not only of just ideas, I'm trying to go back to what you said, I can't remember the word per se, but people should be voting based on their own needs, personal needs, poli the politics of the personal, right? Yes, yeah. What else is there on offer though from Rise Zanzi that voters must be thinking about? And I say this now with the most basic issues that we see we're struggling with. And I just want your thoughts on things like education, unemployment, the issue of migration. Just very quick, quick thoughts, quick hits, if you may, of what is on offer I'll, from Rise Mzanti. I'll pick two. Let's take economic transformation and economic justice. Sure. CD, millions of South Africans are excluded before they are seven years old, right? Because of, of, of standing of malnutrition, a lack of access to good education and early childhood development and so on. That is a fact. The 48%, the Department of Education in October last year said 48% of kids that begin school never finish 
48%. That's where the bulk of the youth unemployment issue is. Do we have a plan for that? Of course, South Africa doesn't have a plan. Rise Mzanzi cares about those forgotten people because we've got to have a plan for the people that have fallen between the cracks. And that's one of the proposals that we are going to be presenting for discussion nationwide is that actually the child grant as we have it is, is not enough. Double and triple it. If you want to really solve that problem, that's one example. Yeah. The other example has got to do with a with spatial injustice, right? In in reality, the average black person spends most of their money on transport to get to and from work to earn a meager salary. If you can't solve that problem, you cannot solve the erosion of black people's income in South Africa. You just can't. So you need to have a level of understanding of the struggles that people have on a day-to-day -day basis and have the solutions that are going to solve the problem now and in the long term. So I hope with those two issues, City, I've given a sense of our general approach to the kind of things that affect people on a daily basis. Should we look at Ravonia Circle as Rizem Zanzi's uh, race relations I think the DAs and the relationship that I have with the, yeah, yeah, the IRR, right? Interesting example. Is it exact, yeah. Should we be looking no. at it that way? Because I've, I've been making an argument and some will tell you that I, I compare a lot of what I see with, um, in that space with what I see at Prime Media. So Prime Media Broadcasting is home to 702, Eyewitness News, Cape Talk, and so on and so forth. I've been saying Ravonia Circle is the mother to, uh, Rizum Zanti. It's the mother to Mali's outfit. Um, I think it's ground, what is it? Groundwork. So I've been saying, making that argument, is it really, is that it? Is that the same brand? You, same thing? you are, you are almost correct. What oh. we are trying to do is to create an ecosystem, to have an ecosystem of generally like-minded a organization, not not just these uh, these these these, uh, these three organizations, but actually to go beyond that. It's standard overseas to have those kind of alliances. That's why before elections, they always talk about a grand coalition of organizations that believe in the same thing and elected Joe Biden or whoever, right, to into, into the White House. South Africa needs that kind of politics. That's part of how you move away from the old struggle politics onto a modern politics of thought and ideas and movements and campaigns, etc. The other question that I've been seeing a lot of people asking is why not join Musimama and his outfit, why not join up with Herman Mashaba and be more powerful as a collective? So uh, Herman Mashaba talks about the death penalty as an example. Let me give, just give you one example, a fundamentally important issue. Okay, we don't even want to go there. Death penalty? No. We have a constitution. It says no death penalty. Don't start tinkering with the constitution when it suits you because that gorilla will turn on you. Because we'll want a whole lot of other things changed in the constitution. So let's not do that. That's one example. Another example that people make. So in Bosa's proposition, by the way, there is a proposition to give parents control over their kids' education by giving them vouchers. Do you know what that means? It means defunding public education. We don't stand for that. A social democratic outlook, the very basis of it is public infrastructure and facilities accessible to all of the public. Now, people say these things loosely and say, why not join with them? Without really examining whether at a fundamental principle level, do these people say the same thing? And we don't. And South Africans can make uh, their own choice and, and decide. That's a different conversation to whether you can cooperate 
in a coalition if there is a government. Which, sorry, which leads to the whole conversation around the moonshot pact. Had you been approached, um, I've been hearing a lot of weird stories around donors wanting to see all those who are opponents to the NC coming to work together. Have you been approached in conversations along those lines, even by the DA itself? So, look, John sent me a, a note uh, to say he wants to send me an email. I haven't received an email yet, so I'm assuming that that's what he wanted to talk about. But here's our fundamental principle, CD. The most important coalition that we need right now involves civil society. With all of these things that we're talking about, who is managing the fallout of people with no food, with no security and so on? It's civil society, right? Only 20 2% of eligible South Africans actually vote for political parties, including the ANC. Isn't this an opportunity to be as inclusive as possible if we are to determine the future of South Africa at such a pivotal moment in our history? I think it is. That is where we are starting with the work that we're doing. There is no rush. The election is next year. There is a rush. But anyway, thank you so much. That's national leader of Rise Mzanti, Songhez Ozibi. A few thoughts about what Rise Mzanti is putting on offer for you and I as we head to the polls next year. And just thoughts about what South Africa needs to do slightly differently. I should have asked him about segueing from media, but he's done many other things in between. So thank you for your time, Songhez. Thanks very much, Titi. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was produced by Tujuzile Masuku. My name is CD Madia. Mm-hmm.